Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes. Welcome to Rock Strikes Ten, the show guaranteed to always give you ten songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and a review on iTunes and never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. Uh, As so often as we do, especially this year, it's been a big banner year for this on Rock Strikes 10. Logan is with me once again here in the studio. Hey, Joey. Hello, Logan. And we're not doing a death episode. We're no, not we're no not dates. doing a Bowie tribute episode this not time. Not a Bowie tribute. By the way, programming note: I've been promising all four Bowie parts this year. I am going to slightly break that promise because I figured we're going to do part four for Bowie for sure because we still got one more to do. Right. We're going to air it on January eighth, which that's very appropriate. So yeah. that's. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, it kind of came to me. It was kind of a sense of urgency, in a sense, because there is so much going on here in Rock Strikes 10 World. Now, we're doing this episode. We're recording it, actually, on November 22nd, because we're hoping to put it out round about December 8th, because that's going to be oh. your birthday. Yes. Yep. And we were... Yay. Uh, yay. Everybody have a beer. Originally, this was going to be Logan's Desert Island episode, a little behind the scenes here, but uh, <laughs> Logan, Logan's not, he wasn't happy with it, and I, I want him to be... I need an apartment building on an, on my desert island <laughs> to be able to make sure that everybody has their due. Okay. So, and that's the issue here. Yeah, and since Logan comes on the show so often, I'm probably going to give him multiple parts for when we finally nail this down. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. So there's a lot to do just for the rest of the year here on Rock Strikes 10. I've got, I'm actually going to be on a couple of different radio shows, including, uh, well, let's not say, because I don't want to yeah. jinx it. There's, I'm going to be making appearances. I got the year-end list to multiple, do. Multiple shows? A couple multiple shows. Wow. I got my year-end list I got to do. I got the New Year's Eve dance party. I've got... Um, New Year's yeah, Eve dance party? Yeah. Listen to the show. I did it last year. Um <laughs> I don't remember that one. We've got we've got more fallen episodes in the can because people have died since. Yeah, and of course every, the Christmas episode. I mean, I got I got shit to do. This is a busy time of the year, so we're gonna squeeze this one in because I actually thought this was gonna be a year long thing, but then the then 2016 then, happened, <laughs> right? And everybody started dying. And I thought it was going to be a crap year for albums, and then everybody put out all and the it albums. It just ended up being a crap year. Yeah, I mean, crazy. So I did not want to let the year go without doing this episode, so I figured since Logan's not happy with his Desert Island, we are going to pay tribute. We're going to do our salute. A salute. I like that as well. You like that? To the 30th anniversary of what was a great, great year for music, 19... 19- 86. Salute 1986. Yes. And in 86, I was seven years old. Uh, Logan, do you want to disclose how old you were then? Uh, let's see. No pressure. Carry the four. Eight. Seven. 25. Uh, I was 15. Okay. So different perspectives, I will say, for 1986 when you were Slightly. living in it. Yes, we, we definitely had different journeys at this Slightly point. Slightly at this point. I mean, we, we have different journeys no matter what. I'm still but, creating my own at that point, as as 
you are as well yes. in a completely different part of the state. So, yeah, exactly. And so what we're trying to do here on this episode is it's almost kind of an 86 Desert Island list. But in a sense, if you go back, if you if you pull up like the Wikipedia page for 86 and see all the albums that were released in, it is a cavalcade of artists of all varieties, all walks of life and all uh, you know levels of greatness. It was all over the place. And I, I can't believe stuff that we're leaving off of this thing but maybe we'll talk about them as we go but so we're going to do a two-parter here 486 and we're not going to play everything because it would be impossible i'd <laughs> do a whole year on it we'd have to have an in memoriam episode for the albums <laughs> that we left off yeah pretty much and for this episode this isn't all everything i mean you know this isn't everything that i listened to no, in 86 not even close but i even just kind of re you know whenever i reround my clock a little bit it just ended up that some of these records that i ended up picking just happened to be from 1986 yeah. some of them were discovered at that point but then some of them were discovered say in 1987 or sure. what have you and so. we both basically tried to keep this list pretty close to where our personal experience was at that year with some slight revisionist history on there which is fine right but I think we had about seventy-five, twenty-five on this list for both of them. Right. And, well, and so. I think we yin and yanged it too. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> this speaks to where our heads were at at the same right. time. Because not that not that Logan isn't a, a credible rock and hard rock and heavy metal guy. I got, but, you know, I got chops. But he's uh, definitely all up in the alternative I, and college radio I, too. I, yeah, I took. I decided to take the turn on this because this was a. This was a chosen year, actually. I think this was the year that, at least in in my my little clique of a world, the people that were you know heavy turned a corner over the summer mm-hmm. and went went a little uh, different direction. Okay. And I was I was just in elementary school hoping to get MTV <laughs> and sneaking over to my friend's house all the time to watch videos. Yeah. And I usually get there around the three o'clock hour during the heavy metal metal shop hour or whatever okay. it was. Right. So my list definitely skews more hard rock, pop metal, and heavy metal with uh, a couple of asterisks, which will maybe surprising to you. I don't know. Are you out there? But that's uh, surprising. I, I say eighty twenty. You're going to be completely like, yeah, I saw that one coming from a mile away. With with me, was mine pretty surprising? No, honestly. Okay. I mean, with with a couple of exceptions, but they're good artists. So right. I'm cool with it. Let's start off with something off your list, Logan. Oh, okay. You picked um, what what is not common for a album list, but I dig no. it. Because the cool thing about this is, it's all original material. Right. It's a soundtrack. Right. And it, a it very really, prominent movie. It set. It. I think it set the tone for what would the rest of the year play out as. It was this. It. It, it is the soundtrack to Pretty in Pink. Yes. And where Pretty in Pink, the song by the Psych Furs, I think it was about the only, you know, song that was around previous. The rest of it. Is, yeah, because they re-recorded it. Right. They, yeah, there was this was a re-record, right? Song. Yeah. And so, but the rest of this material on it was was all, hey, we're putting this putting this movie together. Please submit a song. Sure. And it it helped a lot of people's careers yeah. at, at this point. You know, main, you know, like Suzanne Vega, Left of Center, that was a big one for her. I think uh, Nick Kershaw, his song. I like um, Nick. Yeah. That that helped out him a little bit, maybe took him to another level. Um, 
Sadly, the, sadly not Jesse Johnson, because I like that guy. You're right. I yeah, really do. Yeah. I'm not even being facetious. He's um, the guitar player for the time. I think maybe even like OMD with oh, If You Leave. I mean, the, the big end scene with with their song. And I mean, it led off the entire soundtrack anyway. Yeah. But I think that took them to a, a completely different level. Yeah, and I was, I was listening to Top 40 Radio. Right. Merely Top 40 Radio at the time, because we didn't have anything else in my city. But If You Leave was everywhere. Everywhere at that point. So. Yeah. Um, but the song that I'm going to pick is not any of those. Okay. I'm going to pick sort of maybe one of the, you might consider the, the, the deep cuts on it. And that's uh, the NXS track, Do What You Do. Good song. And even though that, I think at that point, they were they were making some... You know, they were selling pretty well in some smaller venues and sure. and all, all throughout the states. But yeah, and I don't think that this helped them that much. But it just yeah. added another great song to uh, to their set that they could uh, take around to all those kids in Des Moines and Kalamazoo and <laughs> Fort Worth, Texas. So yes, and Davenport, Iowa, yes. and Davenport, Iowa. Yeah, okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, so kicking off the show here, we got. Uh, Michael Hutchinson, the boys. Rest in peace, Michael. Today was death day. Wow, really? Yeah, I think so. Crazy. Well, this is definitely for you, Michael, and for all of your fans and admirers. Do what you do.
All right. A band that definitely deserves to be in the conversation of all time. Great Australian bands. And there are not few. There are many great Australian bands out there. So there you go. In excess. Good day, mate. Yeah. And I always... uh, I I got it right. Oh, finally. (laughs) Took years. No. Do you know the fun fact about... uh, Well, something interesting and kind of fun that came out of the Hutchins' death is... You know, you know they. We all learned about audio asphyxiation. Well, <laughs> that did become a part of the public conscience, pretty much because of that. But maybe we should reel back the word "fun." It's it's uh, sad that that's kind of his legacy, right. also. But uh, the other thing is, you know, sadly the band tried to continue on without him right. through that freaking game show. But before that, right, actually, pretty much. They did a, a handful weeks. of gigs, didn't they? No, a few weeks. Well, I think they might have done some tribute shows with like various singers. Right, right. But pretty much a few, I want to say, we'll just say a little bit after Michael died, apparently right. somebody got a phone call and asked to be the new singer in NXS. Oh, they asked to be the singers? Well, no, NXS called this. Oh, this, like, NXS certain, called them. Called them up and said, hey, we really are we really are a fan of you. We think you got a great vocal style that can match the... Uh, Mick Hucknall. Intensity of um, Michael Hutchins. David Lee Roth. Another Michael. Mike Patton was called. Really? He's He has talked about this, that he got a phone call from the band to replace Michael Hutchins. That wouldn't Hutchins. have worked, I don't think. I think it would have worked with certain songs. Mm. It would have been neat. Mm. But it would have been, you know... I, I Obviously, he turned it down immediately because he was like, flattered, thank you, but no thanks. Right. But there are certain songs that I hear now when I hear an excess song. I'm like, that would be so neat to hear no. Mike sing those. No, I, mean, just, I, I, no, I, I, but you, it's, it, I realize it's two different types of frontman because Michael Hutchins was a great frontman, right? Oh Mike, yeah, Mike Patton is a, is an interesting frontman too, but he's definitely uh, about he's, the art and the singing and everything like well, that. Well, yeah, and I, I think I think where where Patton's head is artistically is way off a of base of in excess, and that's that's of not that's not. You know, meant to be a a, a a dagger in either one of their art. No, it's just the way they do art. They basically are two different worlds. They so. are completely different worlds to me. I, I don't know what that might have been though. What that that must have been. been an interesting phone call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who do you have, Joey? I've got something completely different. In our salute to 1986. Yes. Well, this is this comes from a debut album from 1986. This was a big album for me. And if I left this off the list, I would not be honest about who I am and where I come from. And also, how could I leave off the band? Do I get to guess? You can. You, you can. I'm not going to guess. First show I ever went to. You know the answer to this question, don't you? I've only said it like a thousand times over Poison? the years. Poison. Poison. Look what the cat dragged Look in. Look what that cat dragged in. 1986. Uh, no beating around the bush on that. I mean, y'all know a couple of the monster singles off there. Talk Dairy to Me. Right. I Won't Forget You, the big ballad. Uh, their second album was even bigger for them. I think it sold yeah. more records, too. Probably I, did. I think I'll up and say I did a lot better. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, Look What the Cat Dragged In has that cool, like, slightly, like, trash punk kind of feel to it. When it's real heavy. It was trashy. It has that... Yeah, it's not. It's it's as much. There's there's not a heavy dolls influence, but the approach of we're gonna be oh, so trashy. I don't know. I think because every Sunset Strip band did steal from the dolls. Absolutely. You can just get that out of the way. Yeah. But you know, of course, Motley's already happened by this point. Obviously, they're huge Kiss fans. You know, all that kind of stuff. Right. It's all in the mix. Right. You know, it's like what CC even say goes. I don't. I never saw us as a Beach Boys or a Burt Bacharach or anything. No. But I like those things. But uh, sure. That's you know yeah. But 
It's unfortunate that it seems like... I, I wish it could have always been the Brett and Cece show, but after the first album, it became the Brett show, pretty much. And, uh, well, yeah. Probably because Cece probably took his eye off the prize a few times during the career, but Cece was the guy that wrote Talk Dirty to Me and those fun songs on there, yeah. or like really had a hand in them. And then you can always hear in the band when he fell off creatively with the rest of the guys. Right. So it's just unfortunate because we'd have got more like garage pop metal kind of anthems like Talk Dirty to Me yeah. and and just fun, uh, cool songs like this. Going with the opening track. There you go. Uh, the single that really never was, it was a single, but it flopped. But, and yeah, radio didn't embrace. Radio turned the album over and played Talk Dirty to me instead. <laughs> it did. And uh, But I like this song, and I think it should have been a lot bigger. This is Cry Tough. Oh, yeah.
to paraphrase a quote uh, from a band that put out their worst album in 1986, you can guess who this is. Mm-hmm. The first song on their first album that was Poison with Cry Tough. Who said that? Cheap Trick. That's a Cheap Trick quote. Oh, is it? Yeah, because the doctor came out that year. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which is not on my list. Uh, we'll leave it at that. They're like, it's like the, the first worst album that they've ever done. Yeah, it actually was. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, I love Cry Tough, and when I go see them and they don't play it, I get sad. I wish they would always have that in the set list. <laughs> they they don't always have it in the set list. I, it's sad. Well, I, I, I yeah. yeah, I'm not going to say anything about that yeah. because I imagine that it's probably a forgotten track for them, right? In a sense. Um. But uh, maybe, just maybe, they'll be look what the cat dragged in. Like Maybe next year, whenever they do year. some sort of like, they they announced a tour with Def Leppard for next year. Oh, so see, there I'm you excited. go. Is that official? It, it's pretty. They both bands are pretty much confirmed with it, yeah. Cheap Trick. That would be nice. It's usually how it works, right? I've seen that tour before. I actually. know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and that's like but, from three, two, three years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But uh, it'll be nice to see. It's re- recent. But I'm, uh, I'll be very happy to see Ricky Rocket back on stage because I'm so happy for him and yes. his uh, recent bill. He's recovered, health. right? He has fully recovered, according Good. to him. So yeah. I always hate to hear about that. One of the more fun drummers to watch on stage. Always a one-man show. So. Yeah. All right. Moving on here, once again, since we're, uh, we're lobbing here like a tennis match, we're going back to something completely different for Logan's night. And now for something list. completely different. I'm going to switch into my uh, black shirt. Here, real uh, quick. Here, hold on. Oh, do you want me to rev you? No. Get you revved up? No, I got a, when I go, I got a black shirt right now. It's, it's a law. You know. It's, it's a law. Yeah. So it's we're going to put on my black shirt here. Because it's, it's a, a... It's a... Bull. Because it's a, a black celebration. Yeah. Uh, from Depeche Mode, released in 1986. Now, what'd they ever do? Not much at that point. <laughs> now they had, uh, you know, of course they had a couple of minor hits. Even I had heard "People Are People" yeah. when it came out. Yeah, like I mean, that was that all was over regular pop life. radio, and I think they were still trying to claw at 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 American mainstream radio. And only three years away from playing stadiums. This was not the album for them to keep clawing at American mainstream radio, though. I don't think. I mean, it became. It's a fan favorite for Black Celebration. I know the big single from this year is Stripped, if I'm not mistaken. Stripped right? was the, the, the really big single. Yeah. And, Good once song. again, another fan favorite. Real cool. I, I, I love digging deep into how they created sounds on this record. Yes. Okay. It was because, it, you know, it's, it's, it's sampling a, you know, their bass sounds was from hitting an empty vacuum tube. Boom. And then manipulating... Very European. That sound, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's Einstein's in there near button. I can never say that name with yeah. technology mm-hmm. and, and, and pop hooks and and absolute pop hooks. And that's important to a guy like me too. With the personality of Dave Gerhan, mm-hmm. with the songwriting skills of uh, Martin Gore, but then with the behind-the-scenes genius of Alan Wilder, who was the guy that was taking those found sounds and manipulating them by pitch, tone, you know, whatever it was, to create a certain, one, you know, one sound in, in a song. 
Okay. And it was it was it's actually just a fast it was fascinating to me to no end. Okay. I don't think I figured this out until late '86 or by the summer. Yeah. And I, I I'm not super familiar with Black Celebration except for the times that I heard it when we were working together a hundred mm-hmm. years ago. So reconvince yep. me and convince my listeners on uh, why Black Celebration <laughs> is an album they should own. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not going to try to. Oh come on! No, we like to, we, I'm, it, look, I'm it, super it, open. It, to, I'm only a greatest hits fan, but come on, right? I'm well, sure I mean, it, you me. know, if did you like strip? Did you like the song yeah, strip? Well, yeah. you know, the sound uh, of the yeah. That's a that's an a um, uh, lawnmower motor really idling nice that he took and just manipulated the sound to basically become that churning rhythm okay. for the song. Um, I'm going to pick something here that's a little bit more pup oriented for them that's at this point. I'm not going to delve into some of the, the the deep cuts that they have, but um, it's your pick. I think Question of Time, which was a uh, a, a great show opener. Okay. Uh, or maybe not show opener as, as much as it's something that about three or four songs into your into their set, they can just really re-energize the, uh, uh, the crowd. It's got just, it's, it's a simple synthesizer song. Cool. Honestly, I, I have that song actually. Yeah, it's, I know it's, it's on. I know it's, it's on the singles collection. Yeah, it's have, it's so. a it's a it, it's a it's a good song. You know, yeah. there's a lot of other, a little bit more obtuse stuff on it, but no, this is this is a good good way to go. All right, I'm I feel good about it. All right, check it out.
right, there you go. Question of time. You asked me to do it. Yeah, that was he did. He did like the whole intro when I did totally the intro. I wish I was recording it off of the album Black Celebration. Let's have a Black Celebration. Yes, from 1986, and of course, keeping with that year. Um, go ahead. Yes. Beautiful. All right. Please continue, Joey. Yes. Well, speaking of Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, hey! Here's a band what? that was definitely rocking the Budweiser. What? No like, way! I, I feel like every time a photo was taken of this band... No way. In 1986, they had a Bud in their hands. That's for damn sure. Wait, who the hell would that be? I don't know. I'll tell you what. I, I remember... As probably millions of other white boys from the millions suburbs. Millions and millions. Uh, I can say this is or the, the Carl first... Carl Sagan, billions and billions. Uh, without getting into the debate of what you call it, this is my first rap-slash-hip-hop album what, yeah. ever purchased. Because, uh, you know, it was funny, because I, I remember some friend of mine coming over, and I was like, yeah, man, have you heard that new punk band? <laughs> and now I look back on that conversation and go, man, I hope he doesn't remember that. <laughs> I just I, hope he doesn't. But I mean, yeah. this was the first song that I heard from him. Yeah, and you know, uh, the uh, to most kids that listen to the radio or MTV, Run DMC warmed us up, uh, and the Beasties knocked oh, it out of the park. They did. This is the 30th anniversary of License to Ill, Hello. a huge record. Um, definitely uh, knee deep, if not uh, if not chin deep, in rock and roll. Because the rock samples, I mean, it's it's a classic rock radio playlist, uh, at least a good channel. Yeah. Because, you know, it's more the Lemon song than it is, uh, you know, Stairway to Heaven. Right. I I would be (laughs) hard-pressed not to play the song I'm going to play because it's always been my favorite song on the record. I don't know if you know this. Oh, no, I didn't uh, know this. I just love... I should write this down. And and from what Paul's Boutique became, which is the, the masterpiece, which is Paul's Boutique that came out three years later. Which is weird. This this is this is the building block of the idea of what you could do because there's moments of what will become Paul's Boutique in this song, actually, in my opinion, because... Oh. And much credit to Jam Master Jay, who actually is the DJ on the album. Oh, is he? Yeah. A lot of people know that. Way less than they realize. They all know that Carrie King guests on a couple of songs. Yeah. Um, well, that's I, a Russell Simmons part of that. That's Russell Simmons and Rick Rubin's part of that. Well, yeah, I'm sure Rick Rubin. Well, Russell yeah. is the jam. Right. And then Rick Rubin, and Rick Rubin is, the Rubin is, a, is a carry. Yeah. yeah. They got both people involved. Who was the full on? Or is it a split producing credit? Or is it? Uh, you know, I think Rick got the producer credit okay. and Russell got the executive credit. I don't want to bog, but, yeah, you know. okay. I still remember the uh, mail order form on the sleeve that says, send, you know, $5 for a catalog and some other bullshit. And I was right. like, I've, I've got an album that says bullshit, bullshit on, on it. it. And if and then one of my friends blew my mind two years later that said, you know, if you put that album in the mirror, the license plate number on the plane says, eat me. And I'm like, wow. And I went you home and did it. Like, I didn't know that? No, I didn't oh my know God. that. Yeah, like on the tail? Yeah. Yeah, on the tail, the yeah. way that it's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I also love the story in the in the album. Of course, the iconic album cover with the great that that's what gatefolds were invented for right, was this right. album cover. Yeah, uh, whether some people like to turn it, just have it sideways. We like to have it up and down. Up and down it works both ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently, what happened was, I guess they were coming back from a meeting with the label or whatever. He goes. We're all sitting in coach and they're in first class, so we doodled this this picture because right. this is this would be great, you know. Perfect. Like, so that's the answer to being stuck in coach <laughs> when you're the actual artist that creates the music, right? 
So there's the frustration that's pretty, of that. That's yeah. But going back to the seed that Paul's boutique yeah. uh, planted, I remember. Oh, and the other reason I'm playing this song is because I still remember to this day uh, taking a trip uh, with my mom and my sister up to Dallas before we moved out here. I was living oh, yeah. in Abilene. My sister was up here staying. We were staying at the Hyatt okay. for some ballet convention that my sister was doing. Right. But this is great because I was staying in a hotel in Dallas. Uh, at you know Reunion Tower Hyatt, and uh, whoa, uh, yeah, it was it was a big deal. And like for you know we had HBO. Where's my where's my dun, 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 it, Vivaldi going on here? Yeah, totally. Man. And then uh, I still remember I was a, I was a kid that dragged a jam box around and played it. Like right. if I was in a building, I was if I was able to bring a jam box with me, I was playing it. So I was playing yeah. a lot of Beasties at this time. Yeah. So we're in the elevator, and one of the one of the uh, bad guys. You know, whatever the whatever you call them, bellboys. Bellboys, thank you. And he, he was like, "What you got there?" And he goes, "Oh, Beastie Boys, turn that up." And I was like, "Bam!" <laughs> and he goes, "Dude, they were here last week." And then my face went, no. "They were." Wow. And he goes, "Yeah, man, they got thrown out of the place. They were <laughs> jumping off the balcony into the pool. It was amazing." And he was like, "I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I missed that, Mom. Oh, how come how, we couldn't be here last week?" How you know? funny. Yeah, talking to seven year old Joy blew my mind. When I was, was going to say seven year old Joy was like. <laughs> I was staying in a place that the Beastie, Beastie Boys, Boys just got finished ruining. And high five! High five, yeah. <laughs> okay, That's awesome. once again, I'm going to try this again. Going back to the Paul's Boutique uh, seed, you'll hear it at the very end of this album, which is exactly what Paul's Boutique became with the art of sampling two things and making them sound like one song. Right. So you hear it at the end of this song, where they take the Lemon Song riff by Zeppelin. Yes. Uh... Inter- interpolate it with the bass line uh, from Down on the Corner by CCR. Right. So, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the whole time the bass is still plucking away. Right. I mean, that's awesome. Right, awesome. right there. And also listen for the uh, the little cameo by uh, the greatness that is Schoolie D with Gucci time. Oh, yeah. Luca Nemo Gucci gets about that time. That is also the voice of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force theme for you keeping score at home oh, there's yes. a lot of great crazy stuff going on and plus they name check freaking phyllis diller oh yeah how much better can you get time to get ill google what's the time it's time to get ill what's the time it's time to get ill so what's the time it's time to get ill Yeah. 
there you go the last track i'm licensed to ill that was time to get ill by the greatness that is the beastie boys hall of famers and uh what else can you say we'll just move on from there moving on to the next and we're, we're about to get real serious now but in a man good way, it's about to take a, a big turn on the corner i'd have to say this guy might just be the uncrowned king of art rock but in the best possible way because when i say that it almost sounds disparaging right but this guy has carried his whole career with just such amazing class somehow uh never seems to sell out even though he's sold a lot of records it's weird how you can be like that successful uh, sell out that many arenas yes and manage to not look like a total whore and this guy has pulled it off and also just the whole I'll put out an album whenever I freaking want to put out an album. Well, like, he and give a shit. Here's, here's the thing about this. We're about to speak of um, the guru known as Peter Gabriel from yes. his smash hit album from 1986. So, yeah. and our salute to 1986. It, it, he's he's a guy I've I've never seen, never seen live. Yeah, and I, and it, it it pains me. He played on my birthday for this album. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and I did not go. Oh, that's, but there there that's was pain, yeah, man. Oh, oh, that's oh pain. yeah. Oof. I mean, because his his tour, I don't think he really started this tour until, gosh, eighty seven or something like that. Huh. Okay. Or, or you know what? I I honestly don't know. I I can tell you that he played. In or around my birthday. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it was my actual birthday. Might have been 1986. Anyway, I, 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 I have never seen Peter Gabriel perform, and it's one of those things that... I think you, I, might, I, you I, might still have a shot. I'm, I'm wondering if I've lost anything out of that. Well, you know? It's possible. I mean, you know, what, you know what would be really great? And I know he's done so shows. Right. Like over the last few years where he plays it yes. top to bottom. Not only does he play this album top to bottom, but he gets every original musician from right. the sessions to play on that stage. He goes he went out of his way to do that. Key thing with Peter Gabriel, he has surrounded himself with such stellar musicianship. Yeah. Um for all these years. Um and even those initial albums that are great were, yeah. were produced by Bob Ezrin. Yes. I mean, yeah, the what Car scratch, whatever. Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, one, two, and three. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've, I've I've never seen him. He he completely blew MTV's mind at this point. Oh man, he was like people went shoehorned his way in. They were like, it's like they'd never seen music videos before. It yeah. was like their first time to experience something that could be fun, artistic, yeah, and still have valid pop music to go along with it because yeah. you know i mean if this is pop music i'm all for it yeah so because well, i had seen i had seen the shock the monkey video before right. so came out but the only time they ever showed it was when they were doing like freaky blocks of and it was always funny know, because like the, halloween the, stuff the, there were like those handful of uh friends that i had they were like yeah he's kind of weird <laughs> yeah he, he he's just kind of weird yeah but they love the song yeah, right but they saw the video and he was kind of weird though. Yeah, exactly. I like that song. You get two different yeah, I mean, journeys. Yeah, you know. there's and, and it you could you could thin the herd on it real quick after yeah. the video because yeah. where he's trying to do something from that sort of like that 
that visual art perspective of it. Yeah. And then... And much credit to Godly and Cream also. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. Those, those guys made the videos. You can't listen to half of the So record, and it sounds cliche, but you can't listen to half that album without thinking of those damn videos. Yeah. Yeah. Massive. I mean, there's there's no way that... If you think of Sledgehammer, your, 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 yeah. your mind is right there. Exactly. <laughs> you know... Doing and, the hand wave at or, the end. Yeah. Or, or, or big time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to go a little off... Please and do probably the 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 most the weird song off of that. Okay, I'm gonna do uh, we do what we're told from Milgram's Thirty Seven, right. or Milgram's Thirty Seven in parentheses. Oh yes, so enjoy. There you go from the album so so 
not a so-so record. Not a so-so record. <laughs> no, but I know for a fact this album appears on two other Desert Island lists. One oh. that has been on this show, the great Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. Yep. Came on my show and put this on his Desert Island list. Nice job, Mark. Very nice job. And I also know for a fact that this album is on Ozzy Osbourne's Desert Island album. Is it really? So, yeah, he is a huge fan of this record. Huh. Massive fan. Like, really? He would talk about this album in many interviews and a- a- as glowingly as he would talk about the Beatles. Really? So he's a, that's definitely on his Desert Island list. Huh. There's no doubt about it. So. I wonder With, if he likes that song that I picked. <laughs> I, I'm, he loves every song on that record. Well, yeah, I would, uh, I would imagine album. so because, I mean, if you were a fan of the album, well, I mean, I'm, I, I know that probably 90% of the people that bought it bought it for Sledgehammer or something like that. Yeah. But those of us who really folded ourselves into this album because it was it was as much of an artistic statement as it was an album. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. It so worked on both I, levels. I'm not going to bog on it, but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I didn't plan it that way for the segue, but I'm going to go ahead and use the segue. Ooh. We are going to talk about The Ultimate Sin. Uh, can you argue a better album cover from that year? Off the top of your head? Because that thing, I've ever seen like huge The original displays. Slippery Moon Wet album cover. Uh, if only we had that. I I'm can't, just saying. I still can't believe that's not on my list. Like If it was like 11, I guess it'd be on there. Orgasmatron was a pretty kick-ass Orgasmatron. So I'm just picking records. The, the records that oh, we yeah. weren't able to pick. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many ridiculously that good albums. That was a badass down. actual mm-hmm. for Orgasmatron. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'd, like I said, this a lot of it is me just kind of clinging on to what I was listening to then with some exception. But I was definitely listening to this. And the two huge videos, uh, Shot in the Dark, Ultimate Sin, yeah. with the Dallas parody... I know he's completely embarrassed about these videos, but <laughs> I still love him so much. So total and, reaction to uh, Motley Crue's sort of theater of pain kind of thing, don't you maybe, think? Maybe so, yeah. But I mean, I mean hey, but Ozzy it already worked had... out for these guys over here. If I wore some spandex and glitter, oh, you mean the the image? I, I mean, just the saying. image yeah. of it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm not yeah. talking about songwriting. He actually looked like Phyllis Diller. That's our yes, third he did. Phyllis actually. Diller reference, oh, yes. <laughs> like with the with the big white. Uh, so blonde. the beasties actually meant Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this about this album, especially. Even a song that you have heard so much, like A Shot in the Dark, to me that is one of the perfect pop metal songs of all time. It's such a well-written song, and it's so catchy. I never switch... If I hear it on Sirius, I never turn the dial. Matter of fact, if I see it on the list, I'm hitting it. And Man, um, I never see it on, 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 on but I mean... Yeah, it, it does I pretty list, consistently. I did, this was a record I listened to the hell out of. Yeah, so... and I listened to it a lot. And I was really excited. The last time I saw Ozzy on tour, his last time he did a solo show in Dallas was in 2010, I believe. 2010 or 2011. Yeah, it's been a while. Because he's been been doing the Sabbath thing. But I I guess when he got Gus G in the band, in lieu of Zach, uh, apparently Gus G or somebody in that band was like, you know what? There's some good stuff on that Ultimate Sin album. So at this show... They played. They talked him into it. They played "Shot in the Dark," which they hadn't yeah. done in a long time, and right. they played "Killer of Giants." Wow. Yeah, I mean, I was like, "Wowza!" Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I would not have expected that one, but it made me really happy that I went to that show because you didn't get the uh, average set list there. Like I said, so. I remember listening to a lot of this record. Yeah, but uh, going back to it, I, I I would like to play the title track. 
because I think it's a ball buster. So it is. Uh, here you go, Ultimate Sin featuring Jakey Lee on lead guitar. That's there right. Alright, there you go. Ultimate Sin by Ozzy. If I had to guess, Phil Salzen wrote that song because he wrote most of the stuff. Or maybe. 
Bob Daisley. Uh, Bob Daisley might have written that Bob song. Bob Daisley. I think Bob played on. Uh, Bob played and wrote the album, and he didn't do the tour. I tour think. opener. Uh, not sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> not sure. What am I saying? Um, let's let's package that for later. Okay, okay. We know who opened that tour, but we're going to talk about them later. We okay. Gotta ta- we got to oh, talk I, about I, your I, pick okay. next. All right, cool. Unless you want to, you can take this pick if you want. You can take, you can take that pick. No, I, 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 you know, <laughs> you can we'll talk just... it up just as much as I could. <laughs> That's fine. I'm not going to do that. We're going to do something else though. We're going to do something else. <laughs> Slightly different. We're, we're, yeah, we're gonna go. We're, once again, we're gonna we're, go flip. We're, we're gonna flip left of the dial. Yeah, but we're staying in the same country. Yeah, <laughs> where it's all dark and rainy and dark and rainy. Wait, here, I gotta put a, my black shirt on again. <laughs> oh, Hold on, one oh, second. Man. Hold on. Yeah, Hold it's on. great radio, by yep. the way. It is great radio. One day we'll we'll do a live cast and yeah, you know, people can tune in. So I got my black shirt on again, as yes. you can see. Yes, and. Uh, I'm picking the the dismal and horribly boring Smiths and their what has been voted by the readership of NME over in England, the New Musical Express, oh, yes. as the number one British album of all time. You're kidding. No. Really? This is, it's a recent list, too. Wow. They finally let go of the Beatles. <laughs> You know what? And they moved up 20-something years. Love the Beatles, but I'm all for them I'm getting knocked off. I'm all for, you know, just, I, I think the Beatles may may have made it to number two, but going back to Enemies readership, which... Don't you has-beens ever read the anime? Right. God, you think Devil Woman had never been written? I don't know what that is, man. Young That's ones, Young uh, Ones, probably. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, but uh, finally, they, the... the uh, the Smiths made a name for themselves and landed their their album "The Queen Is Dead" at number one, according to their readership. Wow! Yeah, that's shocking, man. Even you, as a fan, no, 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 have no. to admit how shocking. No, that is. I was not actually because you go back and you hit all of these, you hit all of these artists that have been working um, since the the late '80s to now. Okay, whether you're talking Kaiser Chiefs. You could be talking to Stone Roses. You could be talking to Oasis Blur. Oasis Arctic Blur. Monkeys. I mean, uh, Muse. Sure. I yeah. mean, I mean, we're talking a bevy of English artists. The 1975 will probably go. Yeah. Ugh. So Ugh. we love the Smiths. Ugh. The Queen is dead. Best album ever. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that that's. It, I'm sure it would be. I'm sure. And, and and they they may put revolver or white album or some shit Sergeant like that Pepper, on there, yeah. Sergeant Peppers, you know, but for sure, this is from what I remember, uh, and I think this is a couple years back, but it may, may not even be that far back. But and you, and you know me, I, I'm I think I even called myself at one point a hesitant Besta fan of this band. But I mean, Not, that's fine. Do you do you have anything that's very Johnny Marr for me at least here? <laughs> no, today? I mean Please. because because <laughs> this album is is painfully Morrissey. Oh, as, as as much as you know, because I understand, I understand everybody. <laughs> Morrissey's not a real popular figure. I get it. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and try to support every weird point of view that he has. 
about wearing leather shoes or <laughs> and how the arena should conduct their food business, <laughs> right? Or or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. You know, Margaret Thatcher's gone now. We should be able to move on. Um, I, you know, just th- th- there's a ton of things, but this this album was was really a as much of a emotional record for I think the English as it was maybe not exactly a political record, but I think there's undertones because if there's anything that we can give. Mr. Stephen Morrissey, it's his poetic sense. I never knew his name was Stephen. Stephen Morrissey. Yeah. And so, you know, sure. it's, yes, it's not for everybody. No, I know. But I know. somewhere there's, right now, there's some 15-year-old kid that heard about their their, their favorite, favorite, artist favorite artist who, who said that, oh, you should really listen to the Smiths. This is the record that you would probably pick up is The Queen is Dead. So, um, I'm not going to... I'm not ex- what, what do you got to... Pick your song, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to go with the... Um, probably the... Oh, uh, uh, can, can I can I pre-guess? Go ahead. Because I only know a handful of songs. I know you do, so, so this maybe should be, if I hit one, this should can, be fun. If I hit one, will if, you play it? If you hit it, then we'll go with it. Ooh, okay, okay. Uh, Girlfriend in a Coma. No, it's not on here. Uh, Panic. Nope, not on here. I thought Panic was from 1986. Mm, it was Is that a single? Single. Damn it! Because that is like that is their best song, or at least I think it is. Well, actually, I do like Girlfriend in a you Coma. You probably haven't heard Shoplifters of the World Unite, then. I have heard that song. Is okay. that, Are you going to play that? No, it's not ah, on there. Damn it. Uh, some Girls Are Bigger Than Others. Okay, sold. All right, done. And 
right, there you go. See, that wasn't too bad, now was it? That was that was uh, me pre-guessing that made it happen. Some girls are bigger than others. Like I said, even if you were going to just totally disparage that band, you got to admit, they probably had the best song titles of all time. They did have great song titles. And I think Fall Out Boy kind of ripped them off later on, so they can... Uh, uh, I don't know, I'm not familiar with them. Their song titles are ridiculously long and just annoying in that sense well frankly mr shankling i know it's over which you know <laughs> or william it was it's a really love nothing. song uh, that that's yeah. one right yeah. yeah that that but it's not on this album but i think it's another single i think some girls are gonna know this is one of the better songs symmetry titles. gates <laughs> i like shop it's another love song shoplifters of the world unite. shoplifters of the world unite that's one of my one. favorites all right uh so i'm gonna make it something completely different now your turn <laughs> but it's not what you think i'm gonna pull out of here uh i think this is uh, at the risk of coming off like Patrick Bateman, uh, this album Who? is arguably almost as good as the album that preceded it. Patrick Bateman is a fictional character from a novel, okay. um, which you'll figure out in a second here. Okay. Uh, but have you heard Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not going to kill you now. No, you're not. Um, so we're not playing... Wait a second. There was... What's this tarp doing here? Oh, <laughs> oh no! I'm I'm doing some remodeling and painting. Um, yes, I, I will say like I put my shirt back on. You know, I, I I called sports a five star album on this show, and I believe that to be true. Wow, have you really? Yeah, I would say that okay. that that makes four like a four and a half. Uh, and I will stand by that. I think uh, I think it is a damn near perfect pop okay. rock album. Hugh Lewis and the News are should be Hall of Famers, even though they're not. Oh, should be. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think Huey Lewis transcends a lot of different genres, and they don't get the credit they deserve. Also, as just singers. Okay. They can their their harmonies, and you know, hey man, it's it's it is blue collar working push, class. Pop are you push, rock. trying to push my buttons? No, no. Okay. I didn't think I was trying to do anything. Okay. And, you know, you look up the album four, and there's just as many, actually more monster singles overall. It's, you know, it's sort of like Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet versus New Jersey. Without the cover. Without the cover. <laughs> and not that Huey Lewis wouldn't have that cover either, either because yeah. they like the ladies, you know. Yeah, they're but very, they're not going to, that's yeah, not their demo. I understand, but okay, but like when you take the way, the way that Slippery When Wet is Bon Jovi sports... New Jersey is there for because there's actually note, more hit singles. Note today. Come on, man. Okay. Stay with me. Yes, okay. There I'm are sorry. more hit singles on four, four than there were sports. Yes. By one, just like New Jersey versus Slippery When Wet. Yes. And they were all top tens. This this conversation will live forever. Yeah. Matter of fact, they were so busy and they were just so on fire during four that they couldn't even get enough videos made to keep supporting the album because they had to do like a live version of Jacob's Ladder just to put out there. And then I know what I like, huge single, no video. Like they were that on fire that they didn't even have time to make videos. And I know what I like is a huge single too, but you know, you got, you got stuck with you. You got hip to be square. I know what I like Jacob's Ladder. I mean, this, this album is huge and I'm going to play my favorite album track off it. I'm not even going to play a damn single because that's how much I love the album for Unbelievable. So yeah, you thought that I was going to save you after the Smiths. I may not be saving you for your ears. I don't know what you're a fan of, but I love me some Huey Lewis in the News. Stuck on you? Stuck with you. Stuck with you as a single. We're going to play uh, an album track, and it's one of my favorites. It's called Whole Lot of Lovin'. Whoa. 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 Time it is, girl, leave me 
I like how I can depress Logan <laughs> with such an upbeat song after he depressed me with a Smith song. We're doing battle here today. That was Whole lot of Lovin' by the great Huey Lewis in the News off of four. You gotta say it that way because there's an exclamation mark at the end. Four. The second best Huey Lewis album ever. That's, uh, yeah, I guess that's, yeah. That's, okay. Yeah. See? I yeah, nailed it. Because I like those, I like the first two albums. Nailed it. Um, just, they, they definitely did mirror Bon Jovi. I'm going to have to get into a whole thing about that later. But anyway, moving on here. Moving on. Your last pick of the night, because let's go ahead and say this will be a two-parter. We're just going to spread yeah. it out through. It's going to have to now be. Now till the end of the year. And uh, this is this is actually the best-selling album of the year, according to the RIAA that you're picking. Oh, was it really? It was out of all of these albums. So, wow, that's I, I, which I, is so funny because I probably picked the least-selling album of, in the of, states of the of this run of the right. '80s. Yeah, probably. I mean, because yeah, I'd like to see the list on that. I feel I would like too. I feel like this one is probably the second best-selling one out of all of her '80s albums. If I really, but I don't know. We'll we'll do some stats on that later. Yeah, that's that's a tough that's a push. But this is actually uh, uh, an artist. This as much I'm, as you as it is me because no, I'm, no 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 honestly no I'm not really a, I'm not a huge fan. But I will say this is from an era where I was the most accepting of her. Right. Because well, and and I think that was that was a part because you know this is this is Madonna. And yes, we're gonna play Madonna. Madonna, on the show. we're gonna play Madonna think, for the on first Rock time. Strikes Ten. Oh, the, is it really? I think it's a debut. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So I gotta pick a good one. Pretty sure about that. Oh well. Huh. Okay. Gotta make sure I don't screw this one up. I have literally two top songs, in my opinion, by Madonna. I think the two best songs she ever did was within like about a year apart from each other. Well, and they're the two ballads. Yeah. Oh. They're really? both the movie songs. Crazy for You. And Live to Tell. And Live to Tell. Live to Tell. Love those songs. Really? Those are perfect songs. Um, that's pretty much me. The other the other ones get video passes for breasts, basically. Right? I mean, like, this, all the stuff from bedtime stories, right. watch it all day. Right. Now, I mean, now th- this was an era that, to where to where I, I actually completely em- decided to embrace the sound of Madonna, because... Before I wasn't really, I mean, whenever she was rolling out, self-titled, you yeah. know, or borderline and and like a virgin stuff, I was, you know, yeah. was wasn't supposed to like that. Sure. Even though I kind of did. Yeah. Well, because I mean, I mean they're, they're good pop songs, yeah. of course. And once again, we we saw the and videos. Once again, boobs. Bur- so. Burning up. Oh, come on. God. <laughs> God. They never talk about that one anymore. But the other thing about 1986 and Madonna, I was trying to explain this to my wife, who was actually born in 1986. <laughs> so this one's this show's dedicated to her. Yep. Uh, <laughs> this is the 1986 uh, Time oh, Life yep. box that I made yep. for. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, we can look at that during the break. But uh, I was trying to explain to her that there was such a big to do about. About the fact that Madonna cut her hair. Yeah. I mean, it was... It got, like, major media coverage. Yeah. And even nowadays, as shallow and as horribly pop culture as we are in our news nowadays... Right. A celebrity cuts their hair, it doesn't really get that much coverage. Madonna, like... TMZ will pay attention, but after that... But it'll be... It'll trend for two hours, and then people will be like, oh, okay. And then whatever. Yeah. You know? 
what what were they wearing? What were they wearing? You know? Right. But Madonna cutting her hair to like really short. It was just short hair. Yeah. That was that was news. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, anyway, you know, this was a for me, I I actually think this was the first Madonna record that I had. Within a year I would see her perform at Texas Stadium. Oh, okay. Um, wow. And so you know, and she she performed quite quite a number of the the stuff off the she I mean we're talking about like a super super active time frame for Madonna period. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, she was trying to put out as I, I don't know if it was just like a creative boon for her where she was just throwing things left and right. She had so many ideas. She was working with some great people. She was working with, particularly on this record, with... Hey, who um, produced this one? Because I know Niall I think it was Patrick it. Leonard. Okay. Who, who do I know she, him from? Well, I don't know if you know him from anything in particular. Okay. Maybe if you recall the semi-hit, one-hit song from a band called Breakfast Club. Right on track. Thank you. I love that song, actually. I, that's... She, well, used, she was in the band. She was in the band. And so, sort of, right? yes, she, she was in the band enough. She was in the band long enough to to at least make a, you know, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, long enough to. We go, all know how she made it. <laughs> I mean, it's long a, enough it's to to at least, at least have some relationship with yeah. with Patrick Leonard to. I mean, because he wrote, you know, he wrote songs for, he produced okay. for. And I'm assuming I mean, she got Breakfast Club signed too. I mean, that that would I that may be may have been part of it too, or just from the interest of. Well, you know, whichever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, at that point, if you're in Breakfast Club, do you care? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? no, I'm along for oh, the ride. Yeah, we know Madonna. I'm saving my money. You know? <laughs> so, um, what would you pick off of this? Uh, that's a good question. The, I, I would definitely like to have a say. Sort yes. Of like, sort of like I sort no, of did with no. the No, I mean, <laughs> no, because, uh, you, you know, I, 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 you like Live to Tell. I was ready to play. Or... Oh, was that on here? Yes. Oh, shit. Can we play that, please? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was going to say Open Your Heart, but you know what? I like it, but, yeah. Live to Tell. Good video. You are really in. Yeah, it's a great video. What are you talking <laughs> what are you about? Talking? Forget about it. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? We'll just show a picture of it while we listen to Live to Tell. Ooh, there yeah. You. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, hey, here's Madonna yeah. from our salute to 1986, Live to Tell.
right, there you go. Uh, tied for my top two Madonna songs. <laughs> that was Live to Tell. Uh, we're going to start off with this part first. From the movie, Logan. Okay. Come on, you know this one, right? All right. All right. What, what movie from was the movie. that from? Yeah. Oh, uh... <laughs> I want to see what's called Open Range. Close. At Close Range. At Close Range. Starring Christopher Walken and Sean Penn and Chris Penn. Yes. Um, Sean Penn. Our mutual friend Jasmine had a great story about meeting Sean Penn. Oh, really? Uh, said he was super nice. Yeah. Which is not what you hear a lot from nope. Sean Penn. I heard he was a penis. But it also or could be a penis. A Sean Penis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, and it also could be due to the fact that she's a woman, <laughs> which is why she had a positive experience. Valley? I don't know. Valley? But uh, when they did those, uh, the, the place she worked at in, in Los Angeles used to host these events and. I think Sean Penn was actually there. I don't know if he was there completely for an at close range kind of retrospective, but he talked about someone asked him, I guess, about working with Christopher Walken. Right. At that point, I'm not I'm not sure if he's like this anymore. Right. But at that point during the filming or the pre production of At Close Range, mm-hmm. Walken was method enough because of the fact that he plays Sean Penn's dad, who is a small time criminal, but like a gun runner basically. Right. Uh, it was important for him to take a road trip with Sean Penn where they would have illegal guns, uh, many of them, in the trunk of their car and just drive around because that's what he needed to do to commit to this role. Because <laughs> I'm Christopher Walken and you're not going to do shit without me. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Well, that, that, there's that's a, a fun that's story. That's a bold stance. That's way better than the story I had about Live to Tell, which is me bombing with it at karaoke one night. Because I tried to do like a Peter Steele doing <laughs> Live to Tell. And then I knew once I got to the chorus that this thing was over. Like, and I wanted to stop it so much. It took you that long? It, it was, it never, it, was, it, it never prob- picked, yeah. it never picked up, let's just say. Okay. And I don't mind clearing a karaoke room. I've done it a couple of times, once with uh, Paranoid Android and also with uh, what Hero. What are you doing with Paranoid Android on your belt? To get rid of the, um, it, we, we, there's this place we used to haunt with some of my other friends and uh, sometimes a frat boy party would break out somewhere oh. during the night. So Oh, so it was an open room. Yeah. Okay. And so they were like, Joey, go up there and do Paranoid Android. I'm like, with pleasure. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. Greatness. Huh. <laughs> but he was like, well, in, in the best possible well, Andy yeah. Kaufman kind of way. Right. But committing to the, the singing part huh. anyway. <laughs> also, Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys will put a bunch of dumbfounded faces on uh, people out for karaoke. Here's a fun tip for you. So there's that. Live to tell. Love it. And we're going to close off with this, <laughs> which uh, basically I'm... Obviously this song was written as a response to what was going on because we were so bored politically in 1986, because we were. We were so bored politically... Reaganomics. Because it was just the middle of Reaganomics. Iran-Contra hadn't just happened yet. Not yet. And uh, we're going to talk. And so the only thing they could think to do is we're going to go after rock lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. PMRC hearing. Yep. And um, I think this song was written as a direct response to it from an album that is uh, highly maligned in this band's catalog, but I love it because I love 1986. Almost all things 1986 I love. So therefore, I love Turbo by Judas Priest. <laughs> oh, God. Was this one of the dirty. 
what was it, Dirty Dozen? Well, it, this song was not on the Filthy 15, however... Filthy they, 15, thank but you. But they did make it on the Filthy 15 with Eat Me Alive. Oh, okay, that was it. From, uh, I believe, Screaming for Vengeance, if I'm not mistaken. Or Defenders. Which one? I always get those two. Uh, Defenders. Okay, thank you. Eat Me Alive from Defenders of the Faith. They made it on the list. So, the response to that was this song... Which I love. It is a priest pop classic, if I do say so. This is Parental Guidance.
Okay, quick programming note. I was like, when I when I hit untalk, you know, on the mic thing, I'm like, ooh, should we do the studio or the live Silent. version? So he said live version. So I'm like, great, let's do that because that's the live version of Parental Guidance from Reunion Arena. From Reunion Arena, in Dallas, Dallas Texas. Texas. So every time you see yeah. Priest live or the footage from it, that is from Dallas, Texas. That's from the same place where I saw many a band. That's where I saw the Kiss Reunion tour. I saw the first time I saw Van Halen. The first time I saw Ozzy. All in that one Iron place. Maiden, In Excess, Sonic yeah. Youth. Yeah, any Dallas open youth. for. Neil Young. Sonic Youth opening for Neil Young. Yep. Wow, that's wild. With social distortion, too. Hope you wore earplugs. It was cool. That, like, uh, well, yeah. Ears had to be ringing after that, that one. No. Right. Wussies. <laughs> yeah. The Cure. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't see The Cure there. <laughs> they did play anyway. there many times. They did. I, but, I just didn't go at that tour. Yeah. Anyway. So, yes. Hope you enjoyed that out there. Hope you didn't mind us uh, calling an audible and hitting the live version, because why not? That's what we do here on the show. And Parental Guidance actually was a single. They made a video for yeah, it and it everything. Yeah, was a single, right? And uh, so, yeah. Or was it a single from this, or was it just a single from Turbo? It was a single from Turbo, actually, because oh, okay. they did okay. a, they did do a performance video for it. But right, that right, is, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was thing. getting it kind of like, wait, did they do it for the live album? Because <laughs> I'm not sure what they did. I always anyway. get that live feeling just because of the video. The live feeling. But uh, I like it whenever you get those live feelings, yes. Joey. Well, uh, you know, right there at the very end, they even referenced themselves. Because the last line in the song... I'm going to live it up. Oh. So right. they're already uh, referencing go. themselves. They were already plagiarizing themselves. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> An album that, uh, sadly, it's the 30th anniversary for. We got 30th anniversaries for British Steel. Right. And, oh. and for Screaming for Vengeance. Yeah. And for Defenders of the Faith. And I don't, I didn't see one come out this for year. Turbo. For Turbo. Or for Point of Entry, my two favorite priests. Oh, there wasn't one for Point of Entry. Turbo and Point of Entry are personal favorites, and they ignored both of them on their 30th anniversaries. Well, also, shame. I, you know, I, I think shame. I think Turbo was a kind of a maligned record. Well, almost. it was, but they should take there, ownership there was that, of it. There was that. Did I ever point you to the article on decibelmagazine.com about a column they have called "Defend Your Shitty Taste"? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they explored the album of Turbo, mm-hmm. which you know. A couple years out from listening to Turbo, you're like, eh, it's kind of a crappy record. But then out of 20 or 30 years later, you're like, eh, maybe that's better than I thought he was, you yeah. know, or something like that. And from so. the horse's mouth, right. from a, someone who wasn't there for the recording of it, Richie right. Faulkner right. is like, dude, oh, I'll tell I'm you sh- what. He's yeah. like, I'll tell you what. No matter whether we're playing Des Moines, Iowa, or Vakken, right? Every time we play Turbo, whenever they the play place Turbo, goes crazy. Yeah, I mean, because I saw them play Turbo at at, uh, at Verizon. Fun, fun, what? fun. Oh, no, fun, fun. it was yeah, fun, nice. fun, fun. Yeah, and the crowd was just. I mean, it. I mean, that whole set from from them anyway was yeah. was just on fire. Yeah. It was a spectacular set. Turbo fit right into it. There was yeah. no no little. There was no blip at all. Yeah. No, like, uh, well, we're going to go over here and grab another beer. Yeah. You know, yeah. you had to come into that gig yeah. fisted, two-fisted, <laughs> yeah. because it was, I mean, th- there was a fantastic show. Yes, Turbo Lover always deserves to be in the set list. I would love Dear Parental Guidance come back, but I know that's not going to happen. So. Yeah, you never know. Or even Wild Nights, Hot Crazy Days, Ooh. or Locked In. Locked In. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Even Out in the Cold. All right. Yeah. But uh, we'll move on here. Yeah. 
But yeah, it'd be so easy to do the Turbo Deluxe with the DVD from the... They could. They could. Yeah, but all right. Uh, But stay tuned. We got much more 1986 to do before the year is out. And we'll have our In Memoriam segment then, too. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. All the the ones that we decided not to do. Yeah. Oh God, it's gonna be a because there's a bunch. I got a I got a freaking grocery list here. Yeah. There's 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 a grocery and laundry list that includes more than just eggs and butter. Yeah. And getting your shirts pressed. Yeah. I'm gonna try to pick one more of Logan's picks next time around. Shoehorn my my taste in there. Oh. Okay. And I'll, make, I'll let him do the same for me on one of them too. Whatever. We'll discuss that off the air, but until then, <laughs> please go to cnjradio.com for all things Rock Strikes 10. Every episode ever, including the ones that iTunes have deleted at this point. Every single one I'm on. Yeah, there's a lot that Logan are on as well. I'm course. on like 80% of them. Yes. And stay tuned on CNJ Radio. Also for the Synaptic featuring Randy Brown and True Alternative. Hello. And the Last Theater on the Left blog by Chris and the Wrestling House Show blog by Chris. And a new plug here, go to Facebook Uh-oh. and look up CNJ TV, Ooh. where uh, we have CNJ Radio has launched a video channel, which is better than any video channel on earth right now. I will, I will stand by that fact. We can see your face? No, I'm, I'm not VJing just yet. <laughs> Uh, we have a cavalcade of DJs that oh, taste really? make for this uh, okay. for this channel. So CNJ space TV, CNJ space TV. Go like it and send your requests in. Maybe we'll play them. <laughs> Get back to the days where Night Flight was great and MTV still played videos. Oh, nice and also, you know, talk show appearances, like anything that's right. being performed with music. With great music, of all types of music. That's what we do here at CNJ Radio, and of course here on Rock Strikes 10 as well. We'll be back with uh, many things. I've got new music episodes galore, best ofs, Bowie Part 4 on January 8th, New Year's Eve Rock and Dance Party. Falling. More Fallings, of course. Uh, but yeah, everything doing here, and uh, yeah, all that stuff. Like everything. Lots of other stuff. And before we get out of here, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Spacebeard for the Space awesome Beard. outro. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband for more information. Purchase their new album, Gone, which is one of the best rock albums you could buy this year. And I mean that. Of the century. Of the century, sure. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Have fun. <laughs>